This episode is brought to you in part by The Table Podcast from the Hendricks Center at Dallas Theological Seminary. I'm Daryl Bach, one of the hosts, and I invite you to join us as we discuss issues of God and culture, which includes anything and everything. Listen on your podcast app or at dts.edu slash the table. In 2011, a group of revolutionaries took to the streets of New York City, protesting wage inequality in the United States. Their slogan was... We are the 99%. The protest made international news, and camera crews flocked to get videos of people camped out in city parks. The protesters said they stood for the little people. If these are the 99%, these masses of people in parks, who are the 1%? You might be surprised to learn the answer. You're listening to the show that uses journalistic tools to look inside the Christian church. We press pause on the culture wars to explore how we got here and how we can do better. I'm Chris Starin, and this is Truce. Over the past three episodes, we've been exploring the way we interact with money and how that changes the way we treat others. After the stock market crashed in 2008 and a global financial panic struck, the nation blamed the people at the top. The banks failed, bailouts were issued, and it seemed like the only people that were injured were the little folks, the 99%. It all comes down to money. But we wanted to know, who are the 1%? We looked up some facts in the 2018 Credit Suisse Global Wealth Databook. It's a dense compendium of blessedly nerdy facts. Let's say that you want to know if you're in the top 50% as far as total wealth. This is across the entire world. To be in the top 50%, you only have to have 4,210 US dollars in wealth. That's it. If you have $4,210, you are wealthier than half of the rest of the world. Say what? Yeah, it's not that much. So that's everything I own minus everything I owe? So you take all the money and property and cars and, and all the stuff you own and subtract your debt, your mortgage, your student loans. And if after all of that, you've got at least $4,210 left, you're in the top 50% of the world. What do I have to do to be in the top 10%? That's a little bit more, $93,170. Less than half of the national average price for a home in the US. But those protesters were upset about the 1%. How much do they have? You know, this scripted dialogue is very conversational. If we wanted to pinpoint those people who were being protested by Occupy Wall Street, the 1%, basically anyone with at least $871,320 in total wealth. To most of us, that is still a staggering amount of money, almost $900,000. We could spend a lot of our time nitpicking that number, but instead, let's focus on everyone else, the 99%. People like you and me. We live in a culture, in a Christian culture, where... We're told to go out and get more, to look to the 1% rather than be okay with our station in life. 
God is a genius storyteller, and the evidence of this is threaded throughout Scripture. In Christianity Today's new show, Holy Curiosity, with me, Kat Armstrong, we explore storied connections threaded throughout Scripture from the Old Testament to the New. Our first miniseries, Connecting Dinah and the Woman at the Well, welcomes experts like Drs. Tim Mackey and Diane Landberg to give us insight and context into the physical location and meaning of these two stories. These stories will spark holy curiosity in your own faith, because once you see these connections, you can't unsee them. God wastes no person, place, or thing. Listen and subscribe to Holy Curiosity with Kat Armstrong on your favorite podcast platform. There are two Bible verses I want to share with you. The first one pretty neatly encapsulates what people like us, we 99 percenters, should be focused on. 1 Timothy 6.6 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Americans, like me, are really bad at this. The older I've gotten, the more I've seen this to be true. If you're content, you've won. Like, you've won. Instead of running all the time to be bigger and better, we could live in the present. Enjoy what we have. Invest in people, our families, our relationship with God instead of working ourselves to the bone. What would it mean to our local churches if godliness and contentment were our true goals? Americans, like me, are really bad at this. Think of how many motivational speakers we hire just to pump us up. Keep striving, keep achieving, and get yours. This attitude has even crept into the church. It can steal our peace and our joy. God wants you to have that house. You've dreamed of a hefty mortgage. Now get yourself a hefty mortgage. This get yours attitude has also really hurt our witness. Many of the industrial patriarchs of this country were terrible to their employees. They used deceptive means of doing business, polluted the earth, and worst of all, tied their businesses to Christianity which is not a great witness. We lift up the wealthy as an ideal rather than lifting up the humble, the proud rather than the meek. Now we're going to read one of the most convicting stories in the Bible, at least to me. It's about a rich guy. And I'd encourage you, based on what you know about your station in life, where you stand compared to others globally, put yourself in his shoes, in the rich guy's shoes. This is from Mark 10, 17 through 27 in the New American Standard Bible. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Basically, your standard list of sins, but this guy has been on his best behavior. And he said to him, 
Teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth up. Looking at him, Jesus felt love for him, and said to him, One thing you lack, go and sell all you possess, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Jesus kind of drops the mic on this guy. Sell all you possess and give to the poor, and come follow me. This is not easy news to hear. But at these words, he was saddened, and he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. And Jesus, looking around, said to his disciples, How hard it will be for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, Get ready for some repetition. Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. They were even more astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Looking at them, Jesus said, With people it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Let's slow down for a second here. It's easy for us to say, that's not me. This is meant for billionaires. But how much do you have to be worth to be in the top 50% of the world? Again, it's only $4,210. $4,210. And you're wealthier than half of the world. Maybe it should resonate with us when Jesus says how hard it will be for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. That could be you and me. It's easy for us to judge the uber wealthy, the people with the giant mansions, but you're probably listening to this on an expensive phone or computer. Perhaps drinking something that costs more than what a laborer in Bangladesh makes in a whole day. This isn't about making ourselves feel guilty. The hope is that it gives us some perspective. We, you and I, need to be careful how we view money. Our money. Instead of pretending that verses like this are meant for someone else. We're called to serve only God, not riches of this world. Think what a better witness we'd have if we weren't so busy chasing after what our neighbors have. The time spent with family and friends if we resisted working overtime. Or if we lived closer to work so we didn't have so long of a commute. We might not be able to afford such a nice house, but we'd get our lives back. It seems to boil down to this. Are you serving God or are you serving money? The American church's focus is often in the wrong place. We take the attention off of God and we are ugly to non-believers when we're consumed by greed, especially at the expense of others, the environment, and our social responsibility. Instead, let's be a generation of selfless generosity, of putting others before our own interests. And in the end, let's be a generation that learns to really follow Christ. This episode was produced and edited by my brother, Nick Starin. Thanks to our friends Josh Griffith and Bob Stevenson for lending us their voices. 
Look us up on social media and at trucepodcast.com. Once you're on the site, you'll find show notes, previous episodes, and links to my films, Bringing Up Bobby in Between the Walls, and my novel, Cradle Robber. We'll also put links in this episode's notes to Nick's stand-up comedy. If you're looking for clean comedy for your next church picnic, college gathering, youth event, or conference, look him up at nicksterren.com. Truce is a listener-supported show, which means if you'd like to see this continue, we need your help. You can donate on Patreon, PayPal, and a bunch of other ways on our website at trucepodcast.com. And please tell your friends about the show. Really, share about us on Facebook right now. It would mean a lot. Thanks for listening. I'm Chris Starin, and this is Truce. One more thing before we go. This is the second-to-last episode of Season 2, and what a great ride this has been. We've covered the rise of the women's suffrage movement, pyramid schemes, censorship, and so much more, with the goal of bringing us back to the most important things in Christianity. And I think you'll agree, there is nothing else quite like this show out there. Most other Christian podcasts are just two or three people sitting around chatting with very little editing or research. Truce is different. Each episode is carefully crafted, researched, and edited. I'd love to be able to do this show full time. That would mean more in-depth episodes, more time for research, and better marketing. And I think we can get there together. We can do this thing for just $10 a month. If everyone listening donates $10 a month, we can send a message to the Christian podcasting world that excellence matters. That it's possible for a podcast to be both educational and fun. And we can encourage God's people to stay on mission for just $10 a month. Let me challenge you to try it out for one year. Together, we can do something truly special. Now, I didn't plan for this need to fall during our series on money, but it's about time we take this thing seriously. You can set up an automatic $10 donation via Patreon on our website at trucepodcast.com. Just click on the donate button. There, you can also find links to our PayPal account if you prefer to give all at once. And more importantly, please remember this project in your prayers. It's hard to put out high quality shows like this one with a full-time job. And I really need God's hand on this thing to keep it going. Our next episode, which I'm really excited about, won't be out until September. Then, God willing, season three will begin in early October. Until then, I'll be learning a new editing program, researching a new series, and attending the world's largest podcasting convention to learn how to do this thing a little bit better. You can check our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook feeds for updates and bonuses until our return. And really, thanks for everything. Hopefully, we'll talk again soon.